Do you ever hear the alarm go off and think, ugh, five more minutes? Well, you are not alone. Welcome to the Life as a Team Sport podcast, where we will take the concepts from sports and apply them to everyday life. So whether you're an athlete, a former athlete, the mom of an athlete, or just love watching sports, we invite you to come along with us as we explore family, faith, fitness, and have a lot of fun doing it. This is a podcast by the women of sport for the women of sport. Welcome back to the team room. I'm here with Patricia. How's it going? Oh, it's great. It's great. You know what? It was 80 degrees today in Maryland, and it just makes me happy. I wore shorts for the first time, although (laughs) my legs are so white, I feel like I'm blinding people. Yeah, you probably are. It's all good. (laughs) You know what? My dad was like that. He had, he was, he's very fair and it was like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. You, you know, you could use some selfless tanner, just rub it on there and, you know, it's all good. <laughs> I know I probably should just, you know, <laughs> for the general population. True, true. Well, we had a degree out in Buna where I teach as well. And it was so awesome. We took the kids out uh, every class and they did a track warm up, which they probably hated. But, you know, I am a PE teacher and they are going to get to work out. So I tell them that I'm like, listen, this is what I do. Oh, so, yeah. Well, this is life skills. They need their steps. They're going to learn that. That's true. Very true. Well, guess what? We have a uh, guest that we both are friends with who used to live by me, who I'm so excited to share. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. She's with us. Hello. So great to be with you today. How's it going where you're at? It's great. It's also super hot here. Um, but yeah, everything's good. Awesome. Well, I would like to introduce Sarah a little more. I've known her as Sarah Mustafa when I met her and Sarah do you mind if I give you give them my nickname for you I'll go for it Sarah 6.5 because <laughs> she is 6.5 and I love that she is a beautiful woman of God and I just always remember her height because she's tall I'm sorry you just can't miss Sarah and Sarah I met Sarah a couple years ago more than that now because she was my FCA rep at my middle school for FCA huddle and but I want to today on the show, she's going to, you know, go deeper than that and share a lot more. But her what she does now is she lives outside Annapolis and she is the FCA area representative of Anne Arundel County County. I think I butchered that. Sarah, how do you say that? Anne Arundel County. OK, so that everybody who lives around there, that is said correctly. She works with five high schools and all the middle schools that feed into them. She also played Division One basketball at the George Washington University for four years Even though we had a pandemic last year, I want you all to know that some people did have a really great year, and Sarah was one of them. In 2020, she got engaged to Josiah. She got married, and they are now expecting their first baby, and it is a... Sarah, you want to tell everybody? It's a boy. She's having a boy. It's so exciting. Boy mom. Boy mom. Patricia and I both have some boys in the mix, so it is exciting, and I'm just so excited we are finally getting you on our podcast, Sarah. So if you would just want to just share a little bit more about yourself, um, maybe more details, then that would be awesome. Yeah. So my name is Sarah. It's kind of been interesting getting used to my new last name, just being recently married. So um, yeah, I was serving on FCA staff in New Jersey. Um, God called me onto staff about five years ago. And um, I met my husband on Christian Mingle. 
and we dated long distance for a little bit and then yeah we got engaged married and I moved and I was able to transition my role um, with the ministry so it's been a blessing moving here a little interesting during COVID with everything being uh, shut down but I've been able to build relationships here and it's just been a joy being a newlywed and yeah now expecting our first child I'm a little um, slower these days not doing much basketball but basketball was a huge uh, part of my life and upbringing for most of my life so yeah I'll be excited to share more with you guys about that. Do you look like you've stuffed a basketball under your shirt? Because I feel like I always felt like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe more like a beach ball. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. It's summer. You could go with that. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, Sarah, what is your new last name? Wolf. Sarah Wolf. Just eight letters in my whole name. Wow. That's great. Sarah with no H, by the way, and Wolf, W-O-L-F. Sarah will always be Sarah Mustafa to me, but I, I will grow into the Sarah Wolf. I promise. Yeah. Well, well, before we get into our full interview with Sarah, we would like to hear something from your highlight reel. So something that's been fun for you, been neat. Go ahead, share with us. Yeah, lately I've really just been enjoying the simplicity of walking. Like just walking. Um, you know, I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to work out, like as a Division I athlete coming out of college, like a lot of weight, CrossFit, like pull-ups, all that. And um, just throughout the, it's been throughout the years, but just especially now, um, just really enjoying just getting out in nature. And for me, it's like my way of connecting with the Lord, connecting with myself, having um, just solitude and being able to like talk to God in prayer. I usually leave my phone at home, which is like kind of hard sometimes, but, um, just like having that undistracted time, um, you know, away from all distractions, I have a 75 pound Dalmatian named Duncan. So actually whether I want to, or feel like walking, uh, he will remind me that we are going for a walk and the neighborhood that I live in now has some community beaches, uh, that's on the Severn river that we, walk to and he likes to go swimming and I just like to spend time on those picnic tables and just really like connect with God and connect with nature so yes I've just been loving walking lately and especially being pregnant just want to keep walking (laughs) throughout the pregnancy that's awesome that's so good for you too being able to get out there I was when you started talking about walking I was thinking you were talking about hiking but just going for a walk and Mm -hmm. I did forget that you live down in Annapolis and so you have the beaches around you or whatever and so going to a park bench and sitting and looking at the water and then walking back sounds amazing it does sound nice it's funny you say this Sarah because I was just talking with a friend and and walking is so important and just moving our body and then when I was pregnant with my with Christian my first I did a lot of walking on the beach with my dog Emma so it sounds very familiar and it was nice to just walk and think and pray and we, we do neglect that. So that's a really awesome highlight reel for a lot of women that maybe, oh, I, I don't have time to walk. But even 10 minutes is just a good thing. So, Patricia, yeah. can you link that into our show notes? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The challenge of leaving your phone at home, though, I think is something. So we'll definitely put something in the show notes reminding people of the importance of it, for sure. Oh, I Unplug love it. and walk. I think that's what we'll call yes. it. Unplug from this and plug into God. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I love, love it. it. 
All right. So, um, Sarah, when, we, when we're going to get onto your topic today, we have a couple uh, topics within your topic, but the main one kind of is, goes with identity and then flows into some other things. So the first thing we always like to do is just kind of ask you, you know, what is your background with sports and how did they play a role in your childhood? Yeah, so I was a 10-pound baby, so I feel like that kind of started my trajectory (laughs) on always being the tallest. So growing up, I was always the tallest. I have an older brother, and he played soccer, and he was a goalie. So I started playing soccer goalie from a really young age, probably like first grade, and really wanted to like follow in his footsteps. But then um, third, there were some third-grade basketball clinics that rolled around, and um my parents enrolled me in this basketball clinic you know she's tall maybe she'll play basketball and that was really the start of just countless hours in the gym and developing uh a passion for basketball so I played uh soccer and basketball until my junior year of high school and um but basketball is always like my main sport and I really didn't like develop skill-wise until high school. I had some coaches, particularly my old AAU coach, Mr. Odili, like pouring into me, helping me have some one-on-one training and developing my skills. And then when um, I started having some success in basketball, um, it kind of became my whole life. Um, My memories of my childhood are like basketball tournaments, driving to practice, driving to training, And then um, the recruiting process started probably like freshman year of high school. And that was a whole whirlwind. My mom had taken me to over 50 schools up and down the East Coast, (laughs) visiting colleges. Um, So, yeah, when I look back at my childhood, definitely basketball was my biggest memory. Wow. How did your parents play into this role in your life with sports? Yeah, so um, my dad, his main sport is soccer. He loves soccer. And my mom, like, was never particularly into basketball. So I think that's, like, they were just always super encouraging. Um, My mom would be the one to, like, to drive me to the crazy tournaments and stuff. And sometimes my dad would be like, oh, you know, that's crazy. Like, why are you going that far for a basketball game? Um, But eventually, like, he caught on and um he was always just super encouraging it was nice to have them not be like coaches or not super into basketball um because they would just always be an encouragement like uh my dad even if I did not play a good game he'd be like you played great like it was the coach's (laughs) fault it was the other team's fault or whatever so it was um yeah it was great always having support always having them in the stands and then even when I went to college it was only three hours away so one of them was at either one of my home games like most of the time wow Wow. yeah because you're from New Jersey yeah Okay, so going to GW, yeah, it would be just a few hours down the road. So you said you went to 50 schools. I mean, you're probably generalizing, but, like, you went to a lot of schools, and so it sounds like the recruiting process was kind of crazy. Um, how did you pick – why did you pick GW? I was also – as focused as I was in basketball, I was very focused on academics as well. So I weighed that heavily, and mm-hmm. – in the back of my mind, I kind of always knew, like, okay, I won't be able to play basketball forever. I need a degree. And, you know, I want to go to a school that's, like, good academically. So in the process, I started looking at some of the Ivy League schools and finding out that they 
even though they provide grants and stuff, they couldn't offer like the full division one scholarship. So Mm -hmm. it ended up um, coming down to like Princeton and George Washington university. And um, actually my best friend, she's still my best friend. uh, Her name's Tara. She had committed to go to GW. They were recruiting us separately. Uh, We played basketball. We went to preschool together, played in since third grade, all always played together, played in high school and she yeah they were recruiting us separately but she had committed to go to the school and um I saw there was two twins that were senior that I would play with for one year and then they were graduating so I put a also a value on like would I get playing time um because I'll talk more about it but I was just very focused on my performance and playing and my uh points and statistics so um, there was opportunity for me to play and they had a good academic reputation and it wasn't too far from home. Uh, so yeah, that's what yeah. I chose them. No, that all makes sense. I mean, it, there's a lot of factors to weigh into that. And I know you're going to continue talking about where you were placing your identity, but you know, as you look at things, you're prioritizing something. And so that's why I was curious. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, how did you specifically see your identity growing up? I mean, it's, it obviously sounds like sports, but go, go ahead and give us a little more. Yeah. So with basketball, like I put my identity so much in my performance. Like it's really where I found my worth and my value and my significance. And because I was good at basketball, like I found that I was like well liked and popular when I was performing well. And I really liked that like attention affirmation and that like made me feel good. So I was like, I want to keep you know, doing Mm -hmm. this and keep performing well. So Mm -hmm. it was just like complete, like who I, I was a good, in high school, I was a good basketball player. And then when I got to college, I was a division one athlete, a college basketball player. Like I was that Jersey and I put so much of my identity in my performance, like that I stopped, I thought that the stat sheet was like who I was. So I remember like, nights like crying over the stat sheet because I thought that those numbers because I shot whatever two for 12 from the field that Mm. like I was a bad person um so it was I would say not healthy to have um my identity where it was and really you know putting everything into that and yeah that's a hard roller coaster to ride. Yeah, I see athletes riding that roller coaster on a regular basis, and I've been on it myself. But when you said that you thought your identity was the stat sheet, like that's a that's a telling thing. And I think people don't want to admit that, but I think that that's where a lot of people's identity lies. And whether they're in sports still or not, they're finding their identity in their own stat sheet, be it work, status, you know, friendships, their marriage, their children, right? Everyone has their own stat sheet. And when we're finding our identity in that, then we're really, you know, riding that roller coaster up and down. That's tough. Mm -hmm. So when did you see that change and what made that change? Well, I kind of had two big split, like major identity shifts. And one of them came after college when I wasn't wearing that jersey anymore, And it was like, without that covering that Jersey being a college athlete, Mm -hmm. I really started to question like, who am I? 
-hmm. And that summer was a huge shock to me. So I got a real job, quote unquote, (laughs) like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do, get a real job. So I was working 40 hours a week, living in an apartment with my friend Tara. And that summer, I was just like really tired. Mm -hmm. And everything was different about my life. I was living, living differently, eating differently, sleeping differently, working out differently. I went from working out 20 hours a week, my whole life to maybe three hours if I could get there like after work. And um, I just started feeling this like extreme fatigue. And I didn't really think anything of it. But then throughout that summer, I started getting this like crazy symptom where my face would start to droop when I was laughing. And throughout this summer, it progressed to where my head would start to drop when I was laughing. And then one day I was at the pool with my friend Tara and she was making me laugh. And I was laughing and I I didn't have control of my muscles. And I, I got really weak in my muscles and I fell. I fell to the ground. I had a full body collapse. But I was conscious the whole time. I could hear everything that was going on. I just couldn't move my muscles when I was laughing and it was just like the craziest thing like what is going on and throughout that like the day and the next day we figured out that laughing causes me to have full body paralysis and so I go to the doctor and um the the first doctor thought it was something called syncope which is fainting but that's not what it was um I found out eventually I had a I actually moved back home that summer trying to deal with this and figure it out. And I got a a sleep study done. And that summer or that fall, I was diagnosed with um, type one narcolepsy with cataplexy. So that um, I'm not sure if anybody's heard of narcolepsy or knows what it is. Some people just think it's like you're tired all the time or you fall asleep easily. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a neurological disorder and most have an onset of late adolescence. So that's when mine kicked in. There's a genetic link, but it's not necessarily like completely genetic and, um, it's autoimmune. So my body destroyed the neurotransmitters that produce the chemical for wakefulness. So, um, excessive daytime sleepiness is one of the main symptoms that people with narcolepsy have. And a very few amount have this symptom called cataplexy, which is muscle weakness with extreme emotion. And for me, it's most commonly laughing. Wow. And this, like, this diagnosis was like hard hitting for me, and especially during this time where I didn't know who I was. And then I get hit with this diagnosis, like, who am, like, am I a narcoleptic? Like, what is that? Like, what does that even mean? And there is, like, I think a negative stigma facing. Mm the condition and I feel like I just did not want to adopt it I'm like I don't want this to be who I am but it kind of was and it was um it took me a while to to figure out a medication that worked for me Mm -hmm. and it took me a couple years um but this, yeah, that I, I had to realize that like I wasn't this like incurable, incurable neurological disorder that without medication could be like debilitating at a time. Um, but like that, that wasn't who I was. So mm-hmm. I was in like a bad place I, for the next couple of years while I was figuring out the medication was like depressed and confused, searching for my identity. 
Um, I put my identity into a relationship at the time because I just didn't have anywhere else to go. I did. I wasn't walking with the Lord at the time. And that ended up being unhealthy. And I really spent those three years after college in an identity crisis or not knowing who I was or who God created me to be. And then I had another identity shift <laughs> where I met my um, former supervisor and mentor and discipler, and her name is Laura Matera. And she, she was on the podcast before, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. We've Laura's, had Laura on the show. We yep. love Laura. We do. Yep. Yeah. So then, yeah, then came the next uh, big identity shift. Okay. Go ahead. Tell us. I'm, I'm loving this. This is, I, you told me this there a long time ago, but it's just, it's nice hearing it again. So please keep sharing. Yeah. So about five years ago, I met Laura and she was, she discipled me. So I started getting, and this is when I had moved back to New Jersey and I started going back. She asked me, she's like, are you in church? And I was like, uh, no, but there's one I would go to. So I started going back in church. She was like, are you in a Bible study? And I was like, no, but I think my church has one. So I started going, <laughs> started going to this Bible study and that was just hugely transformational for me. I started getting in the word through this group of women, through this Bible study. And I went through a huge spiritual transformation and this was uh, within a short, kind of a short period of time where God just like got a hold of my life and really like rocked my world and showed me what my true identity was. So now I see my identity as a daughter of King Jesus, as a mighty warrior princess created on purpose for the purpose of bringing God glory with my life. And I've learned that my body isn't just to perform or to play basketball and that my brain isn't just sleepy and defective. (laughs) I've really learned that I'm an integrated being like mind, Mm -hmm. body and spirit and that God knit me together uniquely to glorify Mm -hmm. and honor him. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And it's just neat to hear those phrases you just said about being a child of the King Jesus and, and where your identity comes from God and how, how many people in our world are searching and seeking and trying to figure out, you know, why am I here? What is my purpose? You know, especially athletes, because Patricia works with division one athletes and I teach kids that I teach PE and sports are so important and they teach us many lessons. However, um, when they're misaligned with the gospel then, and with who we are, then they're, they're not really going to help us. So it's interesting to hear how your story all came together. I guess I thought different. I thought you met Laura when you were in high school. Uh, I met her husband, Joe, when I was in high school. Okay. So, so you, yeah. you did meet a Matera in high mm-hmm. school. Okay. Yeah. And that's how I first got involved with FCA. He came into my high school and invited me to camp. I had that I was introduced to Jews for the first time at an FCA camp when I was in high school that Joe scholarship me to and brought me to. Wow. That's so cool. I started my journey. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that, that just shows that, you know, Jesus is knocking on the door of our heart at all different times because you went to a camp and you heard about Jesus, but you weren't, it wasn't your time to accept him. And it took another three or four years or five or whatever to then come and to find your purpose. And so that's interesting too. Yeah. No. And I like the fact that you talk about being an integrated being and not so when we think about finding our identity in the stat sheet, 
it depends on, you know, what are, what we're looking at, right? What you're, what you're looking at is what you see. And so you kind of divided it out into mind, body, spirit. And sometimes we have stuff going on in our mind. Sometimes we have stuff going on in our body. And sometimes we have something going on in our spirit and focusing on what's going wrong or focusing on the problems and then wrapping our identity around that can be super debilitating. So being able to say, no, like you said, I'm a daughter of the king, right? Where you're finding your identity in God, in Jesus, and knowing that it's outside of your mind, your body, your spirit, and that those things are integrated. And when something goes wrong in one of those those places, you don't need to spiral or lose your identity or part of your identity because you need to figure something out physically, mentally, or spiritually. Yeah, yeah that's, exactly. that's awesome. Do you, do you have anything um, you want to share with your um, integrating all those together? Like, you know, like we, we, we both have talked about some other things um, that you went through during that time. Um, I know one of them is your, your health. Well, you talked about your narcolepsy, but what, what also led up into taking care of your body and your health? Yeah. So with coming back into Christianity and going undergoing this spiritual transformation, I really went on a journey to discover God's will for my mind and my body and my spirit. And I, at that time, like I still had some major issues or like strongholds, like kind of big things in my life that were kind of stopping me from progressing and getting to the place that I, I wanted to be. And through my Bible reading, I read that some of these like strongholds could only be broken with prayer and fasting. And I was like, really curious about that. Uh, You know, like, what's the deal with fasting? Like, what is this? Like, what, why is this so powerful? I know how to pray, but like, what's the deal with fasting? So I started doing some research on it and I came across a book called The Daniel Plan by Rick Warren. And I got the audiobook and listened to it and I learned so much. And so I did the Daniel Plan detox that is 40 days of eating foods that are God made from the earth. And um, that, that was like a good step for me to, to learn and to see and to like to struggle and to battle through that. So that was in 2017. I did the detox by, by myself. And then, um, but I pretty much went back to my old ways. And I will say um, throughout this Throughout the years, um, God did break those strongholds in my life through prayer and fasting. But the food one, um, I still struggled with. So I did the, I read the book again, well, listened to it again. And in 2018, I tried again. And it was kind of like for my friend's wedding, it was, I will say, like more um, superficial and just wanting to lose weight. And I right. didn't integrate like the spiritual part of it. Um, so I think I maybe lost some weight, but then it went back and didn't really like adopt the ways or really, I didn't have that like transforming of the mind yet. And then again, in 2019, I started talking to one of my friends about it. Who's also on FC staff and she agreed to be my accountability partner in the Daniel Plan Detox for the next um, 40 day fast. And it was that essential of having friends involved and really getting in the word, doing the Bible study together, texting each other our struggles, talking on the phone. 
um, and really being able to do that together that allowed me to really be finally transformed by the renewing of my mind through focus and goal setting and it helped me and God used that to show me how to honor him like with my body through like food and fitness and the Lord showed me through that that my spiritual health is so closely related to my physical health and that my mind and my body and my spirit are all one and for me when I'm healthiest spiritually is when I'm healthiest physically and the Lord has really um, yeah just really transformed my mind in the area of food and really helping me to feed my body foods that are nourishing and healing and that make me feel good and foods that give me energy and um, allow me to best glorify and honor him in my work and in my everyday life Yeah, yeah that's awesome you know, it's interesting because um, I'm in the middle of my Daniel fast, but it's only 10 days. And I'm only saying that because it was really hard for me just to even start it. And so I am very proud of myself because I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And I just, Patricia is a great friend and she was like, just do 10 days and it's okay. Have your coffee still. It's okay. Like, don't sweat the small stuff. Just look at the big picture. And I read the whole book. I actually have a girlfriend I'm doing it with, and I do agree that that is the secret sauce, as the book calls it, because the friendships are the real thing because it's community. Now, Mm -hmm. I will say that I did text Sarah um, about this about a month ago, but also Sarah actually gave me the book, I'm going to say at least a year ago, (laughs) and it stayed on my shelf. And I say that because, you know, when you're not ready for something, you just don't do it. Like, I know myself, and that book has been on my shelf, but I was so thankful that Sarah gave it to me. And I was like, I really, you know, I really want to do this, but I just wasn't ready. And so for me, I was ready about a month or two ago and I picked that book up and I read it within a week because once I'm ready, I'm ready. And so I say that to say all that to say, because I'm excited and I agree with Sarah so much with the food. I've always believed it. I just haven't had the willpower to do it. And so these six days, I'm only like six days in and I'm really um, not doing exactly the Daniel Fest. If anybody's listening, you know, obviously I'm having my coffee, uh, but I did cut out dairy and meat and alcohol and sweets and processed food, which let's just say it, Patricia, is super hard for me, right? It's a lot. Yeah. Right. You know, it's so easy to just grab a, a, for me, it's easy to grab a cheese stick, a beef jerky stick. I eat, I eat eggs, two eggs every morning. Like I do eat pretty healthy as it is, but I do rely on a lot of dairy and meat. And so, um, just alone doing that has been, um, hard, but you know, it's been good because I do want to share with our, with our friends, our audience is that when you fast, I truly believe that it's a spiritual thing. So my fast has three components for three different things I've been praying for. And I've seen, I've already seen a couple of breakthroughs. I've been journaling it and I've seen God show up. And I just know that I know that I know that he is walking through it with me. And the next step for me is the Daniel plan. So I'm going to step into that in five days where I'm going to start integrating my healthy meats, lean meats, and my dairy back in and Um, One thing, Sarah, you can tell me what you think, but I do remember reading this in the book and I'm telling you, I remember, and Patricia's reading the book too. I remember he did say the Daniel plan is a lifestyle 
change because it's lifestyle and it's a 90-10 rule. Because most of the time, 90%, we, we want to be healthy. There's that 10% when like, look, you're going to a wedding and you like to have a little piece of cake or your kids having a birthday and you're going to have some ice cream. You know, there's life to be lived, right? It, it's just not every day that I need to have ice cream, you know? Does that make sense, Sarah? Do you remember that or? Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely how my lifestyle shifted. Um, no, like ha- God giving me the control over the cravings and okay yeah there was times I craved ice cream and craved things that processed food but I then had had the willpower through God and the Holy Spirit to really have much more selectivity with those things and having it end up being like 10% I think I think I reframed it more of like 80 20 (laughs) I Uh, like it (laughs) yeah (laughs) 90 10 still feels a little restrictive but uh yeah, just like, yeah, most of the time because, yeah, life happens. And I think about like seasons of feasting and fasting, and there's times to feast. Yeah, like weddings and parties and stuff. But also, like, being ready to go to a party where you know there's all the unhealthy food and, you know, trying to like have a healthy meal before that or going for the veggies first. And so you're not like, you know, eating all the unhealthy food at first was something that definitely helped me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a process too. And, you know, going back to what you said earlier, you are not your stat sheet. So there's going to be times where you're like, you know what? I went to somebody's wedding reception and I ate cake and you know what? It's okay. I'm not going to beat myself up for three days. We're going to move on. And remembering that too, that it is a lifestyle. It's not a diet. Yes. And I think that's important. Yes. That's what I love about the Daniel plan is that one, it's, it's biblical. Daniel is in the Bible if you've never heard of him, it's he's that's totally cool. Look him up. And it talks about why he did this. And it's neat to see someone else did it for their purposes. And then to realize, you know, life, life is full of food, obviously. And, you know, to enjoy it at the right times, you know. So I, I love that we got to talk about that with Sarah, because it just transformed her life from, um, I just remember it transforming your life. And that is why she gave me the book, you know, when things change us, we share them. And that's, you know, why we share a lot of different things in our life, not just food, but our faith and our fitness and things like that. So this has been an awesome conversation with you, Sarah. I miss you. I really miss you. I love getting to talk to you today. Um, I just realized how much I miss you. And so I'm really excited. I got to see you today um, and talk to you. We zoom. So I see her, but y'all can't see her. So um, we don't want to, we do want to wrap it up, but not yet. We like to do our blooper reel so before we do wrap it up because we do like to say a few things about the interview and different things but if you could give us your blooper reel that would be super fun yeah so my blooper reel we're taking it back to 2006 let's say when I was in high school and I was never okay this is why I don't coach I was never really like a really smart cerebral like game plan player like I would like zone out at times especially like during huddles like just (laughs) trying to focus on all the talking (laughs) and stuff so it's halftime and then we're coming out of the halftime huddle and we you know inbound the ball 
and I go and I shoot it at the wrong basket and make <gasps> the basket make the basket for the other team. Oh no! And it, meanwhile, people are yelling at me like, "Don't do it!" But like, I didn't hear it at the time. I was like, "Let's go!" Like, I was just like ready to go, <laughs> and I scored a basket for the other team, and I was just completely mortified in the moment. You know, <laughs> all these years later, I can look oh, back. Oh no! On it. Was it a close game? Uh, well, it was only halftime. So okay. that's I actually don't remember the outcome. I just remember scoring on the wrong basket and it's like stuck with me for this long. Right. Oh yeah, that can never go away. I'm sorry. And <laughs> it's recorded forever. Oh. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh man. All right. Well, uh, we would love to hear before we actually wrap it up who you would like to pass the ball to today. I would love to pass the ball to my friend Noelle Blankenship. She is on staff in FCA in Loudoun County, Virginia. And we came on staff around the same time. And it's just been so incredible for me to see her growth and to see her leadership. So just recently, God called her to step into a director role. And I've just seen her really flourish in leadership and growth. And I also just see her stewarding her season of singleness so well and just being poured out for the kingdom, really like loving her staff well, loving students well, running events, raising money for camp scholarships. And it's just really incredible. She's like such an inspiration to me. And yeah, she's just a woman that I deeply admire and respect and want to pass the ball to her. Oh, I love Noelle. Noelle is another one we need to have on the podcast, Becky. Noelle Ooh. is awesome. Wasn't Noelle a volleyball player? Yeah. Am I remembering? Oh, I love yeah. volleyball. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. We love you, Noelle. Yeah, Yay. we'll write her in. Write her in, Patricia. Yay. I love this podcast because I love meeting all these great women, and it's so fun. Well, I just have truly loved speaking with you today, Sarah. And, you know, I think Patricia said it three times. And, you know, when you repeat things, they stick. We are not our stat sheet. So I would love to, that's something I'm going to take with me. So, you know, my stat sheet could be, you know, how well I'm eating or how well I exercise this week, but I am not how well I exercise this week. I am a child of the King. I am a princess of Jesus and I'm a warrior princess. I like that one even better. Mm. And, um, you know, just finding my identity, not in my body or my food, but my identity, it comes from Christ for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's good. And I would just add to that living an integrated life. So you talked about mind, body and spirit and remembering that all of those things integrate together because we talked about the Daniel plan for a little while. And I think when we think about food as fuel, it really is affecting our mind, body and spirit. And if we understand how that works, then we're going to choose foods that are going to make us healthier in all three areas. I think that's really important. Yes, that's exactly it. I love that about the Daniel plan. Well, Sarah, we are so grateful for you. Thank you for coming on. Yes, it has been such a joy being with you guys. Becky, I miss you too. I get to see Patricia, but it's been a joy being on. Well, remember that life is a team sport and you are never alone. (laughs) 